Amen. Good morning. It's great to see each and every one of you this morning. It's great to be gathered in, together in church today. And if you do have children this morning, there are some facilities here and we do have some activities and things out in this room uh, and you're more than welcome to, to take part in them this morning. It's great to see each and every one of you. And just before we get into the word this morning, you know, we've come together today to, to give thanks to our God. We've come to thank him for who he is and for all that he has done in our lives, especially over this past year. You know, God has done so many things in our lives. I'm sure that many of us can testify of great things that God has done in our lives this past year. And there's, I'm sure there are many things that we don't even realize, things that God has done for us, the ways that God has protected us, the ways that God has guided us without us sometimes not even knowing. We are so thankful this morning for that we serve a living God, a God who is personal, a God who loves us. But you know, as we've come together today to thank God for who he is, this morning I'd just like to take a minute just to thank each and every one of you for who are part of our church, who serve in our church, for your work this past year, gone in, in reaching out in spreading the good news of Jesus into our community, whether it's through the Tots work, whether it's through Kids Club, whether it's through the youth program, through Coffee Morning, or even if it's through church, or, or even if it's just serving or, or, or welcoming people. I just want to thank each and every one of you, and I want to thank those as well who, who helped out over the Christmas period with all these programs and these ministries that we've reached out with. Without you, it would not have been possible, and we thank God for each and every one of you, and I I want you to know that we've been praying, and I pray that you know God's blessing, that you'll know his strength in this coming year, and that God would reward you for your faithfulness, for your service to him in this past, uh, past year. So I just want to thank each and every one of you this morning. Amen. If you have a Bible this morning, can you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 30? 1 Samuel chapter 30. And this morning I want to share something that, that God has been reminding me of over the last, last week or so but also something that God has been teaching me as well. You know, we're, we're never too old to learn. You know, we, we're always learning, we're always growing, and especially when it comes to the Lord, we can never know enough about God. And God has always got things to teach us and for areas for us to grow in. And I pray for us as a church, we would always have a teachable spirit, that whenever God would come along to teach us and guide us, we would always have open hearts to receive what the Lord would say, because he knows best for our lives. So. Uh, this morning, the message that God's laid on my heart is something he's been teaching me about and reminding me of. And, and this message isn't just a message that will prepare us for this coming year, but it's also a message that I believe will prepare us for life. It's a message that we need to hold closely to throughout our whole lives. And the title of the message this morning is a question. And it's a question that I sense the Holy Spirit just laying on my heart over this past week. And it is, the question is, where do you find your strength? I just sense the Lord saying that to my heart this week. Where do you find your strength, Lee? And that's the title of this message. Where do you find your strength? And there's this obscure story in the end of 1 Samuel, and it speaks to this matter. So 1 Samuel chapter 30, it's in the Old Testament, and we're going to read from verse 1 to 8. And it says, David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burnt it and taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but they carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. 
David's two wives had been captured, Anonim of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in his spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Or I might say in other translations, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. Then David said to Abathar the priest, the son of Amalek, bring me this ephod. Abathar brought it to him straight away. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this radiant party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed them in your rescue. Now this story, it is one of the low points in David's life. This young conqueror of, of Goliath, the giant, he was now on the run. And he was on the run from King Saul, his own king, the king in whom he served. He was on the run from King Saul. And there were so many threats from King Saul. There were so many close calls where King Saul threatened to kill him and almost did try killing him. He threw a spear at him a few times. He tried to kill David because King Saul was jealous of David. Because David had been anointed by God to succeed him to be king of Israel. And so as a result of that, David, he's on the run. And he actually goes to live amongst the Philistines for a year. Now what you've got to understand about this is the Philistines were the enemies of Israel. They were out to kill the people of God. They were out, and David, he had fought many wars against the Philistines. But yet, because David was so scared, because he was afraid, because he was on the run, he decides to go and live with the Philistines for, the year, for a year. And he runs out of places, because he runs out of places to hide in Israel. So David, he takes a small army with him, an army of about 600 men. He takes an army uh, of men with him. And plus their wives and their children. And they set up camp in this place called Ziklag. They live in Ziklag. And there's a situation here in 1 Samuel. We see that the Philistines, they decided to go to war against Israel. And now this puts David in a very difficult situation. Was David going to fight against his own people? Was David going to go to war with his enemy against his own people? It puts him in a very difficult situation. But we know, if you read the Bible, we see that David, he's a fighter. He's a warrior. And so he lines up alongside King Achish, the king of the Philistines. But you know, there's this general in the Philistine army, and he spots him. And they begin to complain to the king. And, and they begin to say, what's David doing? What's David playing at? Why on earth is David fighting alongside us? Why on earth is he fighting his own people? Why on earth is he doing that? And the generals, you know, they're looking confused. They wonder why, why, they, why they're saying that. And the Philistines, I'm sure they were reminding the generals, look, David, haven't you heard the song? The soul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. And those tens of thousands were us. They were our people. Why on earth would you want him on our side? Why do you want our enemy on our side? He's definitely not going to come into battle with us. So as a result of that, David and his men, they get sent back to Ziklag. They get sent back home. But something terrible has happened. On their way back home to this place of Ziklag, they see smoke on the horizon before they get to their town. They see smoke on the horizon. And I'm sure they began running. They began running to see what on earth was happening to their town, to the, where, the place where they lived. And we soon discovered that something dread, dreadful had happened. Something awful had happened. Every one of their wives, 
every one of their sons, their daughters, every cow, every lamb, everything that they had was gone. They'd gone off to fight their war. They got sent back and all of a sudden, everything that they possessed had gone. It had completely disappeared. Someone had snuck into their camp and raided everything. They took everything and and they, they didn't just take everything, they burnt down the place in which they were staying. They burnt down Ziklag and they stole everything. Now can you imagine being a husband in that situation or being a father in that situation? What emotions would rise up? I know we're in church this morning. I know we're the holy people, we're the peaceful people, and we don't like to fight, but I'm sure if that was my wife who had been taken, if that was my daughter or my son who had been taken, I'd be angry. I'm sure there would be heartache. And I'm sure these men, and the Bible says that these men were stunned, but they were heartbroken. Their wives were gone. Their children were gone. Everything that they had had gone. They'd been stolen from them. And they'd been taken by this, this roving band of marauders. They'd been taken by them. These thieves had taken everything for them. And I'm sure their minds began to play, where on earth have they gone? What on earth have these people done to our wives? What on earth has happened to our children? I'm sure everything was going through. Every worst thought was going through their head. The brutality, the heartlessness of this. And as a result of that, they began to cry, which is the natural thing to do, isn't it? It's the natural thing to do, I'm sure. If you're facing this situation, it'd be the natural thing to do. They began to cry. And the Bible says they ran out of strength to cry. They couldn't cry anymore. They ran out of tears because of that. They were devastated. But also, their leader, David, his wives had gone. I can't imagine how difficult that was for David having two wives. (laughs) It must have been difficult. But his two wives were gone. Everything was lost for David. Everything was gone. It was an incredible moment of human sorrow. And, and not only that, not only were they devastated, not only were they heartbroken, but as I said, other emotions began to bubble up. These were men after all. Other emotions began to bubble up. I'm sure they weren't thinking in this moment. They were, getting, they were getting angry. They were ready to fight. They were ready to kill someone. They were ready to destroy because of this. Someone had taken everything that they had, everything that they held dear. And David's men, they began to turn on their leader. They began to turn on their leader and they began to blame David for this. Instead of blaming the enemy, instead of blaming someone, they decided to blame their own leader. And they began basically, I'm sure they were saying, why on earth did you send us off to war? You were the one who got us into this situation, David. You were the one who's on the run from King Saul and brought us all here. So it is your fault, David. It's because of you my wife's gone. It's because of you my children are gone. It's because of you everything that I own has been burned and is lost. It is because of you. We should have been you taking care of our families, David. We shouldn't have gone off with you fighting another battle, and especially alongside our enemies. I'm sure those were the the emotions, those were the things that they would began to say. Tempers began to boil. And now, something, they decided to do something. They decided to stone David. They decided they were going to kill David because of this. It was David's fault, so we're going to kill him. Someone's going to die today, and it's going to be David. We don't know who took our wives. We can't find them, but we're going to take David. We're going to kill David. You know, David was going through exactly the same situation as them. It wasn't his fault that somebody came in. He didn't know that this enemy was going to come in and steal everything. It wasn't his fault. He didn't have a clue that this was going to happen. And David, he didn't have any words for this situation. What on earth was David going to do in this situation? How on earth would you try and wangle your way out of that? 
How on earth would you try and come up with a plan to get out of that situation? Your own men are against you now. You've lost everything. Your own men are turning against you. You're about to die. How on earth are you going to wriggle yourself out of that situation? How on earth was David going to get out of this? You know, for us today, there often comes in our lives pressures from this world in which we're living in. Sometimes there's pressures that become just a bit too much for us. The situations that sometimes we just can't handle. Situations that are totally out of our control. Situations that we never saw coming. And how do we respond to those situations? Because we've got to face it, even as believers, not everything is plain and rosy. We're involved in spiritual warfare. It is difficult to be a believer. But not only that, we face problems just like every other person in this world. Because of sin. Because of brokenness. We face it as well. Sickness. We we face loss. We face hurt. We face brokenness. We face emptiness. Just the same as everybody else. And just because we belong to our God doesn't mean that we won't experience all that. And David himself, he loved God. He's the one who God fought on his side. But now what was David going to do in this situation? What do you do in that situation when it just seems like everything is, uh, is falling out? When the bottom is falling out, what do you do in that situation? When life just pushes you into a place where you just don't want to be, what do you do in that situation? A place of desperation, a place of isolation. Maybe you were here this morning and you were going through that. Nobody knows it because we can all put on, lift up our hands, we can all put on a mask, we can all put on a face. Everything is okay. But maybe you know this morning in your heart you're in a desperate situation and you just don't know where to go. You just don't know where to turn. It's a place that you just want to give up in and maybe you're hearing the lies of the enemy of Satan whispering, give up, pack it all in. You're done, you're finished. That's the end of it. You know, in David's case, he'd been allowed to make some decisions because of pressures. He'd been pressured into some of these situations. People had tried to convince him, but now he's at the end of himself. What was David going to do in that situation? And as I've said, maybe that's where you are today. But as David's life, as everything was falling apart, as his very life was falling out, as he didn't know what to do, David did something very important. There's one important lesson for us in this. David done something which is incredible. And as I began to read, the Lord laid it on my heart. As, as, the Lord, as I sense that challenge, where do you find your strength, David? Where do you find your strength? Not only in the difficult times, but in the good times as well. Where do you find your strength? And I began, the Lord, uh, I began to sense the Lord speaking to me through this verse in verse 6. David was greatly distressed because the men were taking, talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in his spirit because of his sons and daughters. But listen to this. But David found strength in the Lord in his God. Oh, in other translations, as I said, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. David found strength in the Lord. Do you know what David did? He didn't panic. He didn't give up. He didn't run away. What David did, he went to a secret place and he began to fix his heart on the Lord. That's all he could do. He was about to face death. He'd lost everything and he was about to face death. And what did David do? He turned to his God. He turned to the Lord. In the middle of heartache and pain, David turned to his God. But you know what's interesting about this? It says David found strength in his God. It doesn't say that David began to complain to the Lord. 
It also doesn't say that David began to pray to the Lord. David didn't say anything in this situation. And this is what the Lord, I really sense the Lord speaking to me on. David didn't say nothing. All David did was come into the very presence of God and fixed his heart on the Lord. He found strength in the Lord. And what did he do? He began to think about God. Or as, the, as some of your translations say, he began to encourage himself in the Lord. What did he do? He just went to consider who God was. The greatness of his God. I'm sure he began to remember all that God had done in his life. I'm sure he began to remember the characteristics of God that he knows. That God is a loving God. I'm sure as he encouraged himself, he began to remember that God is for me. He's not against me. I'm sure he began to remember that God is my shelter in times of trouble. God is my refuge and my strength. I'm sure in these difficult moments, he remembered, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm sure he began to remember, he is the God who has enabled me to defeat Goliath, so he's not going to abandon me now. I'm sure he began to just focus his heart on who God was, the character of God, and the very nature of God, the goodness of God. I'm sure he began to remember the grace of God in his life, how he didn't deserve to be in this situation, but God had still given him breath, how God still loved him. No matter what he had done, God was still for him, and God had not abandoned him. You know, there is a very time in our lives, there is a time in our lives when we need to just come into God's presence and do nothing but just remember who God is and fix our heart on who God is. So often we can rush into God's presence and start talking and start running away with ourselves, letting our mouth run away with itself, instead of actually just sitting there and beginning to fix our heart and recollect and remember who God is. And maybe coming and just saying, God, remind me of who you are. And allowing all of who God is to encourage us. There are times when we need to do that. Just be still and know that I am God, as it says in the Bible. It's very hard to do in our society, which is so fast-paced, which wants everything here and now. It's hard to be still. But there's very there's some times in our lives when we just need to be still and know that He is God. Why? Because there's always going to be difficulty. If it's not the situation you're going through right now, there's going to be another one. I've been in church long enough to know that if someone, if, if that person who has been get, causing you strife has gone, then I know that somebody else is going to come and they're going to cause me strife. I know that I've lived this Christian life long enough to know that if I'm facing this situation that right now, there's going to be another one that's going to come in two or three years' time anyway. So what am I going to do in those moments? Where am I going to find strength from? Where am I going to continually find my strength from? Knowing that we're living in such a broken world, where am I going to find my strength from? You know, sometimes, as I said, well, actually, not sometimes, all the time, there's always going to be something. That's never going to change. But I tell you someone who can change, and that's us. Situations may come, difficulties may come, but how we approach it can change. How we look at those troubles and those difficulties can change. And we simply do that by fixing our hearts on God and encouraging ourselves in the Lord. So next time you're faced with a difficulty and struggle, don't start panicking. Don't feel like throwing everything out of the pram and giving up. Next time you feel like everything has gone wrong, begin to encourage yourself in the Lord. Open this up. Begin to read your Bible. Begin to discover the character of our God and who God is. 
I'd encourage you, write down the promises of God, everything that God has spoken into your life, because in those difficult moments, there'll be times when you look back on those, and I've done that, there's times when I look back and say, thank you, God, you've spoken that into my life, and I know that you are still for me. This hasn't come to pass, so I believe you are for me. Write down every prayer that you pray and see just how God answers each and every prayer in your life. There are times where we just have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. You know, finding strength in the Lord is simply allowing who God is to bring courage to us. That's all it is. When David found strength in the Lord, all he did was focus on who God was, and that brought strength to him. It brought courage to his heart that he could face this situation and brought an inner strength to him. And you know the incredible thing is, is we can always do that. We can always find strength in our God. Not just in the difficult moments, but you can find strength in the good moments as well. You can find strength on the good days and the bad days. We can always find strength in our God. God encourages us that. To, he's made a way possible. When Jesus died on the cross, he tore the veil into his very presence. He made it possible. It was a sign to say that everyone who believes in him can have access into his very presence at any time. No matter who we are, no matter how much we messed up, if we believe in Jesus, if we call him our God, then he is for us and we can come to him at any time. Our problems might not change, but we will have because we've encouraged ourselves in the Lord. And you know I found that in my life. When everything's going wrong and difficult, when I begin to fix my heart on who God is, my perspective begins to change. I find a strength that I, I didn't have before. Faith begins to rise in my heart to believe that nothing is impossible for my God and he can bring me through the situation. The situation might not have changed, but God is for me. He is on my side. He will bring me through. I know it because I've encouraged myself in God. And finally, so David found strength in God, but he does something else significant as we come to a close. Something significant happens after he finds strength in God. Verse 7. Then David said to Abathar the priest, the son of, of Achillin, bring me the ephod. Abathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding army? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in his rescue. Now we see that, that David eventually goes on a victory. God gives him the victory. God restores everything. We see that happening. But there's something significant that happens just before that, and that's in verse 7. David goes to the priest, and he asks the priest, what is it, ephod? might be wondering what's an ephod or an ephod i don't know how you want to pronounce it but what's an ephod well let me tell you something an ephod is in this season if you're into fashion this is what is in an ephod was a sleeveless garment that was worn by jewish priests it was a sleeveless garment linen garment that was worn by jewish priests but basically what david was saying after he had spent time encouraging himself in god after he focused his heart and remembered who god was Basically, he called the priest over and he said, get me my ephod. And what basically, what basically what David was saying was, let me get back to who I really am. And being in God's presence, and after being in God's presence, he discovered who he was in God. He was reminded once again of whose he was. That he was a priest unto his God. That he had been set apart for God himself. That he had been chosen by God. And when he called for this ephod, he was basically saying, I remember now who I am in God. I remember what God is calling me to do. I remember whose I am. He 
he reminded himself first and foremost before he was a military man before he was a soldier before he was a fighter before he was this political guy before anything else he reminded himself after spending time in God's presence and I believe God reminded him of this that he was a child of God after being in his presence he discovered his identity when we begin when we enter into God's presence after being in his presence we find our purpose and we are reminded of his purpose and maybe someone here this morning Maybe you've forgotten who God has called you to be. Maybe you've forgotten who you are in God. Maybe you feel like you've backslidden. Maybe you feel like you've turned away from God. Maybe you feel like you're a sinner. You've messed up too much. But I believe that if you spend time in God's presence, God will remind you of who you are in Him. That you are loved by God. That you are called by God. That God has a plan and a purpose for your life. A plan to prosper you, not to harm you. To give you a hope and a future. I believe that God would remind you, it doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, how far away you've met, how much you've messed up, that you were a child of God, and if you've got breath in your lungs, he has a purpose for you on this earth. A purpose that would bring glory and honor to his name. I believe someone here this morning needs reminding of who you are in God. I believe the Lord wants to remind you that you are not just somebody who attends church, but that you were a child of God, that God loves you, and that God has more for you than where you are right now. But that will come and you'll begin to discover that. But first you've got to get into his presence. Just get into his presence and God will say it. It's not about me saying who you are in God. Begin to discover who God says you are. You know, I had to find out for myself. I've grown up in church all my life. I had to find out for myself who God called me to be. What God had called me to be. And it wasn't until 18 years old, until I discovered, until I had a hunger for God, that I began to discover who I was in God and what God had called me to be. So that no matter what came against me, I remember this. I am God's, that I am his, that he has called me, no matter how many times I might fail, no matter how many times I feel like giving up, no matter how many times the enemy might try to discourage me and say, it's not worth it, Luke, it's not worth pastoring the church, it's not worth it, no matter how many times the enemy might whisper lie to me, I remind myself when I get into God's presence and God reminds me that God has placed me here. He has placed me here for this purpose. He has called me for such a time as this. He has called us for such a time as this. To reach our generation. To reach loved ones. To spread the good news of his gospel into our community. We're not here by accident. We are here by purpose. God has planned for you to be here. He created you in your mother's womb. And I believe that this is what David learned. And that's, it was so significant. When we spend time in God's presence, we begin to discover God's purpose for our lives you know this morning as we come to a conclusion we see as I said David in the end he got everything back God restored everything he went after them this this gang who had stolen everything they went after them they destroyed everything and they found that not a hair on the head had been harmed every wife was saved every son, every daughter was saved every animal was saved everything they had was saved But more than that, they also took a little bit extra. God gave them what the enemy had had as well. They reclaimed some of the enemy's possession. And that's what our God does. Our God is able to restore the years that the locusts have eaten. Our God is a God who is able to restore those years that might have been wasted. God is able to take back what the enemy has stolen from us. That is the God in whom we serve. And maybe this morning you've come here, you've lost your joy. You've lost your passion for God. You've lost your strength for God. But know this morning that our God is a God who is able to restore that. He is able to restore that and bring you into a place where you will know an even greater abundance than you ever had in the past. That is the power of our God. For nothing is impossible for 
him. God saved everything. That is our God. And I believe this morning as we come to a conclusion, as I said, I believe the Lord wants to remind us and remind someone it's time to get into his presence. Where do you get your strength from? I know where I'm going to get my strength from. I know where I find my strength. I encourage you to encourage yourself in the Lord. Don't wait for Sunday to be encouraged. Encourage yourself in the Lord. You're going to read the word. And as you do that, you begin to discover what God's called you to do. God will remind you once again who you are in him and what he's got for your life. And also, if you think, if the enemy wants to come along and whisper lies to you, it's too late, it's too, God, it's too far gone, just remember the story that God brought back everything that the enemy had stolen and more. That is the power of our God. It's not too late. And if you are here this morning, look to him. Amen. Shall we pray?